and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Brian and Harris, each episode will try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. Harris and I are joined by a special guest co-host, and together we explore some of what it means to raise free children. We talk about the challenges, how it differs from some of the ways that we were raised, and for those who choose it, why it's so important. But before we do all that, let's check in. Good people, what's going on? What's good? What's good? What up? (laughs) For those who... Recognize that our third host voice is a little softer than usual. Um, We have Mallory Tay. Uh, For those who are familiar with uh, episode eight, where we talked about homeschooling considerations, Mallory was a guest, and now she joins us in the host seat. So, Mallory, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Upgrade. Upgrade. (laughs) And also, you're our first returning guest. This is a milestone. Yes. Go ahead, Dad Jeans. Hey, hey. And so uh, today we're Dad Jeans with a mom's touch. Oh, yes. uh, That's that's a good look. And for those uh, who may be curious, Brian and the family are doing well. They're traveling today. And so we send them traveling mercies. And... uh, you know, if you have any well wishes, feel free to drop them on the website. Yeah. Um, hit them up on Facebook or on IG. Uh, today, let's jump in. So, right. so, what are we talking about, bro? Man, let's see. So, wait, what are we talking about? Like for the whole show, or are we doing our check in? No, no, check in wise. Check in wise. Check in. Okay. All right, cool. So, um, still coaching, still doing my coaching. I'm almost done. I got three more weeks left, actually two and a half weeks left. And I'm just, I'm really loving it. I'm, I'm, I think I mentioned it on the last show that, um, I'm studying to be an executive coach. Um, and it's, it's been a great experience. I've learned a lot. Uh, I was really apprehensive in the beginning because when I think of coaching, I think of sports and I'm like the least sport person there is. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm not wired that way. I got a poetic build. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's been good to learn the techniques. Um, I guess one of the biggest learnings is that um, it's it's not about me. It's not like mentoring where like I'm the expert. It's about guiding. So you're completely whole. I'm coming alongside you uh, to help reveal um, all that's within you to to get to that next faithful step. So I'm in a good space, man. I love it. I I, I think I'm gonna see if I think I see a future with it. Cool. Now I'm gonna ask you this question purposely in front of your wife. Uh-huh. Whenever I take mediation training, one of the things that I realize is that all the skills of a good mediator could also come in handy. In relationships, mm-hmm. you know, active listening, um, reframe, reframing, not just trying to score points, but actually hearing. 
are you noticing any skills um, or are you building any tools that, that you also see uh, used for at home? Yeah. Um, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want to turn, I call it turning plastic. Like you have these skills, but there's also a decor, a decorum that you hold yourself when you're with strangers. So it's like you're using the skill, but if you have the counselor voice, uh, it, it could take you out of the moment. So, yeah, I, I definitely try to use the skills, but uh, Mallory has definitely had to pull me back sometimes when she was just kind of like, don't, don't like that me. voice. <laughs> right, exactly. We've exactly. definitely had those conversations in the past. So, yes. he, I mean, it's not like he's a, he's brand new to the coach scene because that's kind of who he is as, you know, who he is. And But in the past, I've definitely been like, you don't need to talk to me. You need, I, I would really appreciate you say, I really appreciate it if you just said, look, you did this and I don't like it. Instead of when people, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> what, what was it you were saying? You were like, when Not, you, I never used the term you. And you was like, no, say you. Say you to me. I don't. So you married you, somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't like, I don't like, like when you. I don't like it when you get into your work mode. Facilitator and, and mode. Your facilitator mode. Mm. Because I feel like you're not here with me right now. You're you're in your head. I want you to not be in your head while we're having this conversation. So there's something happening between us. Say you, mm-hmm. and then I know you're not at work. <laughs> so you you uh, yes, dear. <laughs> and I really appreciate it when he, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, he doesn't say I feel such and such when this happens. No, you ain't at work. And mm-hmm. say, look, you did this and it made me mad. You're the only person I know that like being like to use with a point <laughs> with a pointing finger. <laughs> but okay. Forget <laughs> everything everything anyone has ever taught you about how to manage a team in business and come direct with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I, I get it. You know, we we want our mates to be authentic. And sometimes when they have professions that deal with other people, somebody could be a psychologist or a behavioral therapist or teacher, like, don't talk to me like a kindergartner, you know? Yes, Um, yes. These things are true. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I feel that. And not that being in that mode is inauthentic. It's just, I don't believe it. Okay, It's not as present. Sure. As I would, as I would like. You're not as you're. You're dealing with me, the person. You're dealing with me, who has who says things and does things that affect you directly. Let's talk like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, don't worry about it, Harris. You can't get reported to HR at home, bro. That's the good. <laughs> That's, what's That's the good news. That's what's right, up. right, right. I am HR. Uh, so okay, all right. In, in all authenticity, I think um, you know there, there was a rub. I don't know if y'all could feel the tension, <laughs> listeners. I think the uh, the rub is um, it may still be authentic for me, but I can understand that it doesn't feel authentic to you. You know, you're still facilitating. You're still I'm just facilitating. saying. I said you. <laughs> And he's a teacher. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm a teacher by nature, you know. Teacher. So it's just I, I get how I get into that mode, um, 
because it's almost like a, uh, I don't know if y'all have seen the movie Soul, but uh, this isn't a big spoiler alert, but they do talk about like when people get into their zone. And uh, when I get into my zone, um, I, I think it, it comes off as corporate, but I feel like, you know, I mean, I spend a lot of time in that zone. Uh, well, a lot of time trying to get in that zone. And I think I feel freer to get into it, um, you know, surrounded by loved ones. Uh, but, you know, I also understand, you know, communication is the response you're receiving, not necessarily what you're putting out. So I got you, baby. I'm there. Uh, already feeling the, the effects of having uh, Mallory here. I love it. Mallory, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am good. Um yeah, if we're doing this on a Saturday morning, and so I'm fresh, and, you know, um, Fridays are typically, um, like, my my girl's Saturday, and so they're, they've already been up, they've done their dance classes, they'll do some other things, but um, we've all had a chance to kind of just be for, you know, a day, and so I'm good, Um you know, uh, as far as checking in, I'm planning Nisia's eighth birthday party. That's our oldest daughter. Um, and it's going to be virtual. So, of course, you know, I'm excited and I'm like, yeah, how are we going to make this special? Um, and we just came off of uh, Stella's birthday, her fifth birthday party. So that one wasn't virtual. We, um, She's, you know, she's... They're both very sweet, but she was just like, I just want a Peppa Pig party, and it was just really awesome. It, it wasn't just a Peppa Pig party. No, a, a Peppa Pig, a unicorn Peppa Pig party. Oh. Um, and so. <laughs> exactly. Okay. We, uh, and, but Mallory made it happen. I made it happen. I mean, she had a Peppa Pig party when she turned three, and I, being the homeschool mom that I am, <laughs> I had a lot of those decorations saved still. And then I just hopped on um, Etsy and got a couple Peppa Pig unicorn digital files and printed out a few things, and we made that happen. So it was a fun day. It was the end of January, and, you know, coming right up off of Christmas, it's always kind of like, oh, my goodness, how are we going to make this feel special? Um, but she felt special. She... Uh, one of our good friends has is her is um, has proclaimed herself as Stella's personal uh, baker mm. because Stella has a lot of food allergies, and so um, she made Stella cupcakes. And Stella remembered the cupcakes from like the last two or three times that she's made them over the past couple of years, and so it was a special request from Stella to have these cupcakes and so our friend is always more than happy to do that because she's just like I just I want her to experience childhood in those ways as well with all the carbs all the carbs and all the sugar and all of the (laughs) friends like that need a shout out what's her name Mel Spears she's the I mean Harper oops (laughs) Mel Harper and she's an she's a fellow artist um, she's a fellow um, uh, visual artist, art historian, and one of my best friends, one of Harris's best friends. They've known each other since middle school. Since middle school. And oh, let yeah. me tell you, I got to say this. So when, when Mallory and I um, became a couple, this is even before we got married, Mel 
uh, Mel didn't even put me in a scenario where it would be like, this could be awkward. Mel, uh, Mel was like, uh, let me talk to Mallory. Mm-hmm. And it was, Mallory, are, is, is our friendship okay? You know, how would you like this to, to function? Mm-hmm. If, uh, you know, if I need to step back, I will. Like, she was just completely, it was all about Mally. I wasn't even a part of it. You know. <laughs> and, you know, she, she reached out. I don't exactly remember how she approached it. That sounds sort of right. But, you know, she really was like, you know, hey, Mallory, we, uh, you know, me and Harris have been friends forever. Um, and, you know, you and I have a lot in common, you know, just basically this is, you know, well, let's be family. Can we be family? And mm-hmm. it was friendship at first sight. And we've yeah, been they friends they definitely ever clicked. since. We helped Very each cool. other with our, with each other's weddings and all of that. So. Okay. That's what's up. Wonderful person. So we just celebrated a birthday as well. Last mm-hmm. week, Ella turned 10. Mm. And uh, yeah, so two years ago, we had a really big party. And it was a dance party. And last year, she wanted something smaller, thankfully. And, but it hit right before the pandemic. Mm. So this time around, you know, our mother and I were trying to figure out what are we going to do. You know, do we take a road trip to Philly for cheesesteaks? Like something that we could do to acknowledge her turning 10, but still try to stay safe. And her mom said, well, why don't we just ask her? And I was like, yeah, and I don't want to ask her because who knows, you know, what her expectations are. But she said, I just want to have, I just want to play games with you guys. So, you know, I, I went to her mom's. We cooked, like we made homemade pizzas, we watched movies, and we made a TikTok. That was the highlight, because she's been <laughs> begging to get on TikTok for like three years. Um, it feels like three years. And so we did a TikTok. Um, nice. I thought it would be one and done. Uh, she's already advocating for another, because uh, <laughs> she's checking our likes or checking our mentions or whatever it is on TikTok. So um, to be continued on that one. But yes, I do know how good it feels to successfully navigate a birthday. So congrats to all of us, but you guys got one more. I'm sure you guys will knock that out the park too, though. Man, that's really beautiful, man. She just wants to spend time with y'all. That, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always felt like she's wise beyond her years, Mm -hmm. you know, but it it just, that just seemed beautiful, man. It it felt good, right? Because I don't think I got too many more of those in the tank. I'm sure it'll be like, oh, I hung out with y'all last year, but... (laughs) For, for 10, we're still good. We're still good. And we're calling this her leadership year. Um, towards the end of last year, I just started priming her, saying, you know, next year will be your leadership year. What are some of the things that you want to work on? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, she already told me when it gets a little warmer, she wants to pick up trash at the park, um, which I'm not looking forward to. But yeah, not in D.C. Yeah, listen, I'm going to choose the park very <laughs> carefully. <laughs> Like, look, I'm a, even if I have to, like, drop a Cheeto bag early in the day <laughs> so that we can pick that bag up, 
But uh, you know, some Hansel and Gretel, like, oh, get that Cheeto, get that Cheeto. So oh, we're, we're we're out of the park. Let's we're go. We're done. Yeah, look at us. We're home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So yeah, we're, we're focusing on a few different concepts, but this is her leadership year, so we're excited. And she's I love she's that concept. I yeah, I definitely um, am going to adopt that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good ideas belong to the universe. Hey. So before we jump into our show. Mallory, I know you listen every once in a while, so um, the question of the day is not going to come as any surprise to you. In fact, I think you're you're the one who's actually going to share the question, yeah? Absolutely. All oh, right. I'm All excited right. about it. And here, she's going to put you on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be easy and fun. Um, so here goes. What adjectives would you use to describe the human race? Oh. <laughs> mm. Mm. Okay, that that's a good le- mid level. Like it's deep, but it ain't too deep. Yeah, I, okay, all right. That, you know, that's in the box. Yeah. Uh, let's it's see. Still personal, but not like. Yeah. Okay. I got one. Okay. I'm gonna say different. Um, and in the our diversity work, we talk a lot about differences, and we say uh, things aren't right or wrong; they're different, and they they just there are a lot of differences that gives us a lot of opportunities to experience life in a lot of different ways with each other. So my word would be, or, or, yeah, different. I was going to say differences, but I don't know if mm. that's still an adjective. Right. Mm. <laughs> it, it, it. Okay. Well, uh, excuse me? <laughs> you on the cut? I mean, it's on the edge. Get him, I mean, teach. Get him, teach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, cool. In, in the way that I'm using it, I am using it to describe Human I mean, age. yes. I'm just wondering so, how uh, how how descriptive that that descriptive word is. Oh, the answer is it's not at all. It's not at all. An alien coming from space <laughs> is going to be like different. Well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> I said what I said. So, okay. adjectives. You can get another one. We, we're going to let Harris think. <laughs> Before he, on his second one. Adjectives, more than one. <laughs> it was plural. Mm-mm-mm. I Come. see y'all. This is what this is going to be? <laughs> this is what's happening here? Bruh, okay. I, I'm waiting for you to use a synonym for different. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Your All turn. All right, D-Don. So what adjectives would you use to so, describe the human race? Okay. So when, when Ella and I have conversations like this, we say... If an alien came from out of space and didn't know anything about humans and we had to come up with three words to describe, what would it be? So um, using that, that same setup, I would say destructive, beautiful, and vulnerable. <laughs> Harris, are you, you ready for another no. go? Are you going to come after me? It's your turn. Okay. Oh, we're going to let someone pass it by. Okay. Um, 
my adjectives to describe the human race are finicky, weak, yeah, I'll say, and creative. <laughs> okay. Just, just for the record, I just looked up different, and it is an adjective. Thanks, Harris. Amen. You're, you're welcome. Amen. You're welcome. So I mean, it, I don't think is it we several did. adjectives because I believe the question <laughs> was adjectives plural. Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you going to the judges? <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, I would say uh, different. I would say hmm. not the same. <laughs> Y'all funny. That, that was, those would be synonyms. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Different, man. When I think about human beings, I'll say there. I do like the alien analogy you used. I've used it before. Um, but right now, just what's in my spirit is different. I mean, and it could just be this, you know, the uh, what's going on in my life right now. I'm just really seeing um just people just being different. And just Share kinda, some of the differences. Can, can I talk? Yeah, maybe. We're, so, we're hoping. Well, you know, maybe if you let me think talk the way I think talk, I will do that. So um, when I think about why I'm saying different right now is um, the more I'm learning about, like we're talking about coaching and just learning how to accept people as they are. Uh, a big part of that journey for me right now is just saying, okay, Harris, stop thinking about who they, who you think they should be or how they should act and just accept their differences and, and accept them as they are, who they are. So, you know, if that was going to lead to another word, um, I guess I would say uh, unique. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say diverse. <laughs> Yeah, another <laughs> synonym for different. Ten, look, ten minutes later, and we still on the I, same I, concept. Look, man, look, I, I have, I have the freedom <laughs> to just choose one word. Oh, oh, you know what? Mm. They're free. Because mm. you're part mm-hmm. of the human race, you're, you have the freedom. You know. Anyway, awesome. Good job. I love it. <laughs> Way to pitch it to him, Mallory. He ain't catching. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so on that note, uh, Mallory, I am curious. Where did the question come from? Oh, I just Googled questions of the day. <laughs> hey, there you hey, have it. <laughs> look, if you it know. ain't broke. <laughs> so one of the things that we don't have in common is that when Harris, Brian, and I met and we talked a little bit about um, some of the choices that we were making for our families, educationally, we were on three very different paths. You know, Brian's not here, but Brian was an educator in the classroom and um, he had a young son who you know, was not yet school age, but that tended to be the, the direction that they were looking for him at that time. And Ella was in elementary school. Um, let see, that was three years ago. So in private school. And when I first met 
uh, Harrison, Harrison Mallory. And Mallory took me on a tour of what was their classroom um, in the home. And so we thought that this would be an incredible opportunity to discuss three very different um, approaches and schooling environments and, you know, what, what made what right for each family and, and what was wrong, you know, because we've, at least the, the two of our families, uh, the Tays and, and, and Ella, we've had to pivot you know, from what we did originally um, to to something else. So I, I love the idea of having this conversation. It's not specifically on homeschooling, but it is on raising free children. And so I thought that it would be an added benefit to have both a husband and a wife who made that decision together um, because we could see some of the inside baseball of how those conversations work and, and how that strategy works so that... Um, you guys can put together a united front or where there are differences, where those differences can be respected. And uh, thought it'd be a good conversation to have. So I'm glad that you're here, Mallory. Yeah. Um, but just as a reminder to everybody, Mallory's not here as a guest. She's here as a host. And this is a conversation. So I'm looking to, I'm looking to dive in. Nice, nice, nice. I appreciate you guys um, inviting me on. I love, I love listening to the show. And, and I also really like the conversational element. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm glad to have you. And Harris, I'm going to toss it to you first. Cool, cool, cool. So, um, guys, what does it mean to y'all to raise a free child? So, why don't I I say this? I'm going to ask you, D-Dod, what do you think what comes to mind when you hear that phrase and what do you think raising a free child is? You know, it was very foreign to me. Um, At least the word, not so much some of the concepts. Mm -hmm. And and so there are a couple things out there. There are, there've been a lot of articles, especially the last few years about free range parenting, mm-hmm. which is, which is actually kind of different. Um, oh yeah. It's yeah. And that's not what we're talking about. Um, but as it relates, the more I read and, and listened to podcasts and tried to get a, a gist through conversations, what it means to raise a, a free child. There are some words that come up that were really uncommon in my, in my own um, up, upbringing. And, mm. and I'll give you an example. Today, in fact, you know, something was wrong with Ella, or at least it appeared to me that something was wrong. And so I said, what's wrong? You know, she said nothing. And you know how it is when the kid um, is bursting with, with emotion, but they keep saying nothing. Mm. And, she's, and she, after the third time I asked, she said, don't you trust me? Mm. Mm. And what I wanted to say is, what does trust have to do with anything? <laughs> What's but, trust got to do with it? But I, I just said, I said, I'm here if you want to talk. And she left. And I literally called my mom after this. And I was like, what would your mom have said if you would have asked her if you trusted her? She was like, that never came into play. <laughs> she, she said the idea of trusting a kid. She said, I don't even know. If I trusted you, she said, I knew you. She said, I don't think I trusted you. I was like, yeah, I, where does the whole idea, mm. and, and, and it's not even that, where does the idea of trust come from? 
But where did she get the sense that that was even something that that was even a response that mm-hmm. she could give? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think in a way that, that there is some agency. Um, I, I think that respect um, is far more fluid in, in these notions of raising free children. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, uh, and, and, and the power dynamic is different, and we can spend more time speaking on, on any of those. But So to, to answer your question, Molly, when I think of, of what it means to raise a free child, I think it, it does mean in some ways to trust your kid, um, to give a little bit of respect, and to relinquish some of your power as the parent, um, which is a very vulnerable and maybe potentially humbling experience. Um, so. I love that you brought that up, this conversation that sure. you had with Ella, because it reminded me of a time <laughs> when I was a little bit younger. I was probably Nisia's age. I was probably about seven. And, you know, with most kids, there's a period of time where kids just repeat everything they hear, <laughs> especially their parents. And... <laughs> There was a, there was something that I had repeated. I was I had had a conflict with some older cousins, and I told my mom about it, and she said something. You don't want to play with them anyway. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I went back and said, "Well, my mom said it." Da, 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 da. And so that created a bigger conflict with the parents and everything. And so later, and I hadn't thought about this in years. She said to me, if I can't trust you, then I can't talk to you. And I'm like, wow, she started that seed in me. And I hadn't thought about that at all. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's no, interesting. I, I had a similar scenario. Like in high school, I had lied about something. And uh, in college, I like I came, you know, I came to uh, tell the truth to my mom about it. Uh, and actually, all right, I, I was, you know, I'll get personal. So, you know, my mom had asked if I was, you know, sexually active and, you know, my knee jerk reaction. No, absolutely not. No. So, mm-hmm. And then um, in college, uh, you know, it, it weighed with me. So we were having a conversation and then I did reveal that, you know, I, I had um, done some things in um, during my high school age. And the whole time I'm thinking it's going to be about, you know, promiscuity and and really it was about the lie. The focus of the the conversation was about the lie. Uh, and, and my mother said, I'll never forget it. She said, you know, if I don't know the truth, I don't know how to protect you. And that is stuck with me. Um, it, it, it took, in, in a lot of ways, it changed, it completely changed my relationship with my mother, uh, where I didn't see her as much as this adversarial force. But, um, you know, as a colleague, not colleague, ooh, Lord, no, I have no colleague, <laughs> but as a, we're at least, at least on the same team, going the same direction, you know? <laughs> so. You know what's interesting about all three of our examples? Is that all of them, and even though the words weren't there, Harris, I I think all three conversations were about trust, but 
none of them started out with the parent introducing trust and us talking about, hey, this is why trust is important and this is why we build it. it it's almost like it was evoked at a penalty phase. You know, Mallory's mm-hmm. mom saying, if I can't trust you, you know, your mom saying, if I don't know what the truth is, Ella, you know, in defiance, while something is going around, like, don't you trust me? But very, we didn't talk about that first experience where we built trust and we talked about the importance of trust. It, it's almost like we we want our children to have these skill sets and, and emotional intelligence to approach this concept without even bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's very interesting, but I think that also will play into what we're talking about today. Yeah, um, yeah. no, that's real. Uh, I know when I think of freedom, my mind uh, or raising free children, my mind immediately goes to anti-racism um, because as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, a huge part of my experience and the black experience is this, uh, this pressure to, to be something other than who you are. So like, I'm really big on this author right now, uh, Ibram Kendi, and like he defines um, being an anti-racist as, you know, one who's expressing the idea that racial groups um, are equals and none needs developing. Um, So a big part of my experiences growing up as a young black boy um, is it's, it's always about I have to be. Uh, the best I can be in in somebody else's gaze, and it took it, it it's taken me to become an adult to have to go back and do a lot of work around saying, but who is Harris? You know who? Um, you know not Harris in the eyes of his parents, not Harris in the eyes of um, you know the church, not you know all of that. So for me, uh, a lot of that is based in you know colonizing and racism. Um, so when I'm raising my free children, it's freedom to be who they are, um, but from an anti-racist perspective. I'm sure it bleeds out into different categories, but my main my main category is around anti-racism. So Harris, as I listen to you, I'm trying to imagine what that anti-racism lens looks like for four or five, you know, eight. So I'll say a quick one, Um, you know, hair, you know, it it may seem like, okay, you know, why is he starting with, um, you know, why is he starting with something of the physical? But, you know, at a very young age, you know, just off of what they saw on television, you know, our our oldest, Nisia, I think she was three or four, you know, was wanting straight hair. You know, so... This is already at that age, before she even has a full concept of self, uh, she's comparing herself to uh, beauty standards that aren't of her own. And it, I, it just, it, it broke my heart because I, I would say we're, we're probably, uh, you know, just very sensitive to that already. Um, you know, a lot of the dolls that we get her, we, we were looking for, uh, you know, natural dolls and, you know, we speak life with, you know, we're natural. Uh, when it comes to hair. So 
it was kind of heartbreaking that it still hit her and it still hit her that young uh, to where she has this kind of dysmorphic view of her hair. Um, so right there, I feel like, you know, her freedom has been taken away to just love herself or at least at a bare minimum view herself as the norm and not, um, you know, these Eurocentric beauty standards. And also, you know, with, you know, what does it mean to raise a free child? I mean, a lot of the things that we um, we want for them, we want them to, well, I think with raising a free child, it really kind of leans into the child and just observing and um, looking at what their interests are and and kind of just going with that but the raising a free child raising free children is very similar to what um in a lot of ways uh Dida mentioned free range parenting but different it's more of a cultural thing for um geared towards um BIPOC so black indigenous people of color um because it's a shift in a mindset. And so, you know, looking at our children and allowing them to be children, because even that, you know, it those those things, her wanting straight hair is still her wanting it, you know, um, but it triggered us. And so raising free children is a constant you know, um, I want to say resignation to ourselves <laughs> um, and a constant letting go of our own baggage in order to allow them to navigate the world and through the lens that they've been given naturally. So I, and I, I want to I, I want to clarify, you know, I don't mind I don't mind if she, you know, wants to straighten her hair, but I don't want her to do it out of a sense of inferiority. So, you know, for example, um, you know, W.B. Du Bois talks about double consciousness. You know, I, I and essentially he says that, you know, to be black in America is living, you know, one as a black person, but then also living as a black person in America. Yeah. Uh, so when I'm talking about the gays, that's 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 a lot of what I mean. And. I think a lot about what does it look like for us to operate out of a single uh, a, a single consciousness, mm-hmm. yeah. And some may say, well, yeah, it's impossible. But um, I would love her to make her choice, knowing you know where it comes from, and then choosing. If you know, it's the difference between I'm not beautiful if my hair doesn't look like this versus I'm choosing this hairstyle because I like this hairstyle, mm-hmm. you know? And of course there's, you know, there's some bleeding in a little bit of both, but um, I don't want her to have to go back and 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 relive a life, um, you know, because there've been so many barriers keeping her from understanding, you know, where she could start. You know, one of the beliefs that I hold, and I think we've talked about this in a prior episode, is that, I think if you peel back, you know, our parental onions far enough, a large percentage, and I, 
I dare say most of the things that that really, really uh, influence the way that we parent can can be found um, in our fears. Mm-hmm. And the notion of trying to raise a free child, um, whether you call it that or not, um, is that a lot of things are triggering. Mm-hmm. You know, when your kid says she wants a nose ring, you know, your your first response, you, you know, the yes or the no or the why or the don't do that or the you're too young, you know, it, it, we, we're managing all of the stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the comments that people said in church, the, the nice lady who was the neighbor who had the strong feelings about X, you know, um, the people who loved us. Who, who said off what we later learned were off color or inappropriate or damaging remarks, you know, because what I have found, and, and that's why I was thinking about your, your anti-racism lens, Harris, is that initially, and, and by initially, I, I want to say like the first three to four years, the people who said and did the most damaging things to my child were black people. Because she just didn't have very much exposure to white people. She had black doctors. We had black neighbors. You know, before she was in school, she was in a black daycare. You know, she's always had black dance and black auxiliary and extracurricular activities. So the people who planted the seeds personally, now, you know, television is television. But the the people who planted the seeds were her own people. And, And in most cases, I would say the vast majority were people who actually cared about her. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't people who meant wrong, but, you know, antiquated notions, um, they, they don't care. You know, the, the effect that they have is the effect that they have. Part of the um, the thing about it is, and Harris may speak to this or not, but part of that is conditioning that has happened. You know, the, our loved ones and their, you know, people who've come before us. Because of the dynamic of this country and, um, you know, our history, our, our, we've been socialized to promote racism. We've been socialized and conditioned and programmed to um, promote the tactics and the antics of racist thinking. And so, mm-hmm. of course... You know, the people closest to us will hurt us the deepest. And the people who love us are are doing what they can to show and express love within the capacity that they have it. And the way to kind of help redirect some of that hurt and pain and damage is to be active and conscious in how we... Um, direct the next generation. And I think that kind of speaks more towards what raising a free child is all about. Uh, Dina, we had, um, you know, we had talked about this plenty of times and Dina um, brought up this concept once, which, I mean, it's kind of obvious that saying I'm raising a free child in and of itself um, alludes to us not being free or, or freedom not being there. Right. So if that's the case, then um, right off the bat, there's there, there, there's a perceived box 
that's there. And, uh, you know, so are we taking them out of all boxes or are we taking our children out of a particular box? You know, the freedom box. Um, so. Or the bondage box? Or, yeah. Is that either. what you No, I said the freedom box. Okay. okay. Not free. So, um, I mean, and of course, it encompasses a lot of different elements. Uh, so, but I think what we're speaking to at this moment is uh, assimilationist, you know, which has a lot of, uh, you know, which can be built out of racism as well. This notion of, um, you know, to survive, we need to assimilate. Uh, and it's out of protection because uh, how free can you be if you're dead? You know, a, a lot of protection, um, I guess you could say protection methods we use in the black community uh, comes from the black experience. So, and it sounds to me like it's more not so much; it's more fear. It, Back to fear. Is you know it goes, fear. yeah fear is definitely well yeah when you yeah, protect guys, yourself yeah. because it, we're we're using tactics because we're fearful. We have generations of fear that have been um, you know, that we we've. We've been made to be fearful because of how our ancestors were manipulated and, you know, brutally kidnapped. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's fear and generations of fear and we're creative people. So we've created ways in which we feel like we could gain a little bit more protection, I think is where you're kind of going. And in ways to kind of just stay alive and, and, and stay, you know, have some control over how we die. And, you know, and that is born from, you know, slavery in this country. So let me get your take. We, and when I say we, I, I, I'm, I'm referring to the black community. Our family structure tends to put a lot of emphasis on the concept of respect. You know, we talk about respect being earned. Um, respect is typically top down um, in in our in our homes and in our and in our, our familial structures. To raise a free child seems to dismantle that, and to. It, and it, it seems like it includes um, the children in 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 the realm of the respected early, and 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 if children are always respected, respected in a way that is that is different than maybe twenty years ago or or thirty years ago. Um, what do you think about that notion? Um, I think that respect is. I think respect really has always been what it was, but I think that the black community has um, redefined what, over the years, redefined what respect actually is. And it's, you know, how children were raised generations ago and for generations is to be respectful means to accept submission. And to be in submission to something that someone that is dominant. And that really is not respect. That is, you know, something else. 
authority, maybe <laughs> authority, you know, and so, you know, respect, I think, I think in terms of raising free people, we have to go back to the basics of what a lot of the words mean and being very clear about what we say and do. And in terms of respect, we have to go back to what it actually means to have respect, respect for yourself, you know, respect for your body, respect for someone else's body and self. And yeah. And, and, and I think you're, you're going for, you're talking when I hear you say respect um, as it pertains to, you know, previous generations and how, you know, we've interpreted it as no talking back, you know, you sit there, you know, children to be seen and not heard. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, they're like the top down, like was said, that's not what that is. That's an authority situation. Submission. Submission. It's so when I think of respect, I think of admiration. Um, I think about the phrase, uh, you know, respect is earned and not given. Not saying that I necessarily adhere to it, but um, yeah, when I think of when I when I think about respect, I definitely think about something that uh, you know, if I've earned this quote unquote authority that, you know, uh, that it should be honored, um, that we should operate that way. So, you know, if you are a craftsman or craftsperson, uh, and you have this skill, uh, you may have an apprentice and that apprentice to learn that skill will need to be quote unquote in the state of, um, I don't know if it's necessarily submission, but, uh, a state of, of, of learning, a posture of of learning. Um so and and you know bear with me as I as I think through this. But um I think I, I so I that's the lens that I use when I think of respect. It's about uh someone being someone being the expert and then someone coming along to to learn that expertise. So but so how does that play when we're so does that does that suggest that children don't have respect initially that, that 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 respect for children has to be earned because it sounds like you and Mallory are coming from a different direction mm-hmm. in terms of respect which is perfectly fine um cuz the real question is how does that how does that combine um as it relates to your daughters right well my thing is you my daughter is the authority you know, uh, uh, upon her body, for example, you know, okay. like, so, you know, I may be, you know, I may be the expert just as a older human being to say, you know, these are some ways to take care of your body. These are some ways to protect your body. But, you know, the ownership of her body is, is hers. You know, so, uh, uh, D, you had brought up once this story about, um, you know, Ella telling you that you were in her bubble. Yeah. And I I tried to get a hug and she said, I did not have permission to pop her space bubble. 
I loved it. I lit up when he said that because, you know, growing up in the church, I used to hate when, oh, give so-and-so a hug. And, you know, like that used to drive me crazy because I felt like my I didn't have any agency of my body. Uh, and we experienced that. You know, having our children in church when they were very young, people want to, we have a child with eczema. Uh, people want to just, you know, touch her cheeks. And, uh, stop touching my baby. <laughs> uh, but they just felt entitled to, they're looking at us like, we're crazy because we want you to respect our wishes as it pertains to our child. Uh, so just a couple <laughs> thoughts. I think in general, um, this generation of parenting is kind of on the same wavelength as far as being freer with parenting. Now, it's not, that's not to say that all parents who are millennials, you know, 30, 33 and no, you know, whatever, 33 and up, um, whatever the age range is, I don't remember. (laughs) But it's not to say that, you know, if your parent you're a free, you're raising free children, but it is to say that there was a generational shift in what it means to be a parent. You know, it's more of this thought of conscious parenting. So I think in general, whether you're black, indigenous, person of color, or you're white, there is a, a general sense of, hey, you know, I do... Yes means yes, and no means no. The consent portion of it, and I think that that is part of what makes raising free people a challenge and also a beautiful thing as well. So, I, I'm I'm a I'm gonna ask another question. What's the most significant adjustment to your parenting style uh, due to you intentionally? Um, raising free children? So, while I didn't label it mm-hmm. um, raising a free child, um, two of the things that that are most significant, um, one is a carryover from, from the way I was brought up, and one is a huge departure. Um, one is I committed to answer any question that my kid asked. Um, That's a good one. To, to try to do it in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. That means, you know, when we were walking from the barbershop and my daughter asked what an abortion was, that means that that's the conversation that we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is I told myself I would only spank my child if she was doing something that put her safety in, in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't mean you don't listen to what I said. Now you, now you're not safe, but like running in the street, running in a parking lot, you know, playing with the stove, there's about four things. And, and, and to, to date, I think I've spanked her once. Um, but those were two very deliberate choices. Um, and, and I think the decision to talk to her resonates every day. I mean, at this point, she's not doing the kinds of things that that put her her health and safety in jeopardy. Um, you know, when they're one, that all you do as a parent is keep them from killing themselves. Um, <laughs> but now we're at a point where we can talk, um, and, and I think that that groundwork has already been laid, 
in a way that allows our conversations to to go places that that they may not have gone otherwise. That's good. Mel? I think for me, um, excuse me, I think for me, I actually um, focus a lot on my mental and emotional health. Because I really, I could see a difference when I don't. And if I am not coming to the table, you know, with a full or nearly full cup, then I fall back into the, you know, subconscious, um, you know, authority, authoritarian way of, of raising children. And so when my needs are fulfilled and I'm actually respecting myself as a being, um, you know, a creative being, God, and learning about myself, then I'm in a better space to learn about my children and to guide them as they're learning and as we're learning together. So this most significant adjustment would be putting an emphasis on my own health first. And I don't always do it. I fall short often, (laughs) but I see a difference when I do. Mallory, would you mind sharing what that could look like? Because I think that if we're being honest as parents, we've all had that moment where what we're responding to is not what we're responding to. Mm -hmm. And, and so learning to take care of yourself as a person, much less as a as a parent is not something that I learned um, as as a skill set, like, Hey, this is how you do this. So I'm I'm curious what that looks like to you. It might be, it might be helpful for somebody else who's struggling. Absolutely. So I, um, well, first of all, I have a wonderful counselor who I've had for a little over five years and I've always been part of, I've always done counseling, um, you know, talk therapy and, um, but what that looks like for me is getting enough sleep, you know, drinking enough water, you know, all the things they tell you to do, um, getting some exercise, taking a moment for myself when I can just be, I don't have to think about what I need to do for this person and that person and, you know, you know, what Harris needs from me, what you know, my mother-in-law needs or any of those things. I just have a moment in a space where it's just me and what I want to, you know, I can just listen to my breath. And then, um, and and really the biggest thing is getting enough sleep. It really, that, I need my sleep. And, um, you know, doing something, just one thing for, for me, um, and, you know, I, you know, I definitely, um, you know, making time to, for Harris, you know, for us to just, you know, work on our relationship together, making time to spend with each child, um, you know, one-on-one and, you know, just remembering that, well, it's easy to forget when you're in a collective, and that's what our household really is, it's a collective, it's easy to forget all the individual 
spices, you know, when it's all mixed together, it all creates one other flavor. But then when you're in, you pull those things out. You know, I pull myself out and I'm with myself and I pull Harris out and I'm with him and I pull Nisi and I pull Stella and I pull Abuela. Like there are different flavors that are amazing. And then once we come together, you know, it's a different flavor and and that's good too, but sometimes you get lost in the sauce. And I I try to remember myself, then I can remember each individual person as well. That's such a, a, a great metaphor for, you know, assimilation versus integration. So assimilation, you know, America they use this term, oh, we're the melting pot. Uh but this concept of the melting pot is is this new single flavor of everything together. Whereas if we view it as a salad bowl, you know, with each bite, I, I can taste the tomatoes. I can taste the lettuce. I can taste the onions. You know, not me though. I don't like onions. But um, I do, I, I love that metaphor because yeah, the, the goal is for, you know, each flavor to be as vibrant as possible um, to, for each, each, you know, just to beat the metaphor a little bit more, you know, for each veg for each vegetable to have the the most fertile soil, for it to be the best tomato, the best piece of lettuce, it can be most robust. So, I I, I just I love that metaphor, babe. Um, you know, when I when I think about mine, I think about our children feeling free enough to make people, uh, to be comfortable with other people being uncomfortable. So a big part of, of me growing up was, um, it, it, it's it, the, one of the worst things you could do is just have somebody else be uncomfortable. And it ties back to, uh, you know, having to give that person a hug because they want a hug, um, or, or not speaking up in a way or, or speaking up in a way that, uh, makes other people uncomfortable. Um, I, I really, I really wanted to make sure that there was a shift, uh, again, from my own traumatic experience, what I deem as a traumatic experience for my children to feel free to, to disagree. If you disagree with someone, you should be able to voice that. And it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you, uh, you know, um, I mean, I was going to say it doesn't make you argumentative, but yeah, you could. Yeah. All right. Fine. Be argumentative. Uh, you still, you still have value. You do not have to do it. There's so much in our culture that says be an individual, be a leader. <laughs> and then as soon as you step out, uh, they want to hammer you back down. Uh, so a big, a big shift is making sure that I'm allowing my children, uh, to go against the grain, to have their own voice. Um, and to make other people uncomfortable. So one thing I'm very sensitive to is, uh, especially with black women who speak up uh, and all the labels that uh, women get when they disagree and go out the grain. Yeah, you know, it's very violent uh, towards women. And I just, I, I just want them to feel liberated to to disagree uh, and still be taken seriously and be viewed as a full citizen, as a contributing, um, you know, member to whatever team. Okay. You know, the notion of, of free people does not just apply to our children. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if we are doing the work, uh, in fact, it's probably harder with ourselves because, you know, we got more more years in the game, which probably means more years of wrong comments and bad behavior and, you know, uh, experiences. Mm. Aside from from your roles as parents, what are the what are you know one or two of the things that you're struggling to free yourself from, struggling to unlearn, struggling to remind yourself that that you can carry forward? I'll go. Um, well, I think for me it is. Um, I have to remind myself that I'm learning as well, um, and learning with my children. And not only am I parenting them, I'm parenting myself. And, um, you know, I, I've mentioned this often <laughs> in conversations, but yeah, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and I am a seven-year-old parent. You know, I've only been doing this for seven years, and each day I, I'm learning something. Each day is different. Um, and so I have to remember that I don't know all the answers. I'm not supposed to know all the answers, and that I'll get it wrong, and they'll see me get it wrong, and that's okay because... They need to see that, but it's hard, you know, it's hard to um, push past ego. It's hard to push past responsibilities and, you know, societal norms and societal pressures that they can't see or feel. And so for me, it really is about just going with the flow and trusting that it's going to be okay. I think mine's a similar version. Um, It's about feeling free enough to experiment, uh, feeling free to fail um, and, and not believe that that failure is your only shot. Uh, Because I, I definitely felt like that, Growing up, like you got one shot. I never forget um, getting my license. I <laughs> I remember just feeling like I got one shot to get this right, and I never forget. I had a friend who one day we were, we were just she was going through something, and I was trying to help her, and she just looked at me and she said, "She said, Harris, you've never you've never failed." So you don't know what I'm experiencing right now. And, you know, of course, it was a little hyperbolic, but I, I, as I got older, I got what she said. I, I worked very hard to, to do things right, quote unquote, which means, um, which means uh, overstudying, which means uh, overpreparing. And the truth of the matter is sometimes I could have learned I, I I don't know what I could have learned from failing. And when I think of that friend now, she's one of the most resilient people I know. Uh, and it's a skill that I, that I have, I, I know that I could build on my resiliency 
had I had allowed myself to kind of learn from bumping my head a little bit more. So, um, so that's a big change in my style. I definitely, instead of saying, no, no, no just be like, nope, let them go. Let them, let them mess up and let them learn from that experience. And then ask them questions. I want to know what you learned because you may not have learned the, talking about my children, they may not have learned the lesson that I thought they was going to learn from messing up. Yeah, they may learn something completely different, and now I'm enlightened. So, um, so yeah, just uh, allowing allowing them to fail. How about you, D? So, I spent a lot of time when I was young, you know, fighting to be an individual. You know, um, I think right around high school, I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna do my thing. Um, it's easy when you play water polo because ain't nobody trying to rock with you. <laughs> so, um, Scholarships? Yeah, if if Howard had a team. Oh. <laughs> um, but, and so I did very well with the being independent. What my challenge was is I, that the thing about being independent, it's very difficult to, to gauge your trajectory. Mm-hmm. And, and so I never, and, and I still sometimes have a hard time understanding where I am in the scheme of things. And so I don't always dream as big as, as I could, or I don't always take that huge step, you know, and, and, and people will say, oh, you know, if I was you, such, 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 and I'm like, yeah, I don't see that, you know, because we only have our own experiences. Mm-hmm. And so while... You know, I got the first part, which is, you know, you don't have to be part of a crowd. You can break free. But when you're part of a crowd, you know, okay, I'm in the front or I'm on the left side of the crowd. Okay, the crowd is going that way. When you're running by yourself, you're like, I I don't even know if I'm going the right direction. Yeah. And and so that can be a challenge. Um, And it's it's one that I that I'm happy to navigate because I'd rather that than than some of the alternatives. But it, it does come w- with its own bit of challenges, particularly when you deal with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's with, you know, which is just the do I even deserve to be in the room? Um, so it's it's a constant struggle. I think we all have them um, if we're honest with ourselves, or um, if we don't have it, maybe we're not being introspective enough. Mm-hmm. I so. think you know the thing that I like about what you said is it reminds me of what I was. Um, chatting with Harris about last night um, about, you know, our girls are bright and quirky. Mm. And they are bright and quirky no matter who's around, no matter mm-hmm. what's going on. And, you know, my experience growing up was, um, you know, similar to an extent, and that was formed and molded and tamed. And in a lot of ways, we we are conscious about that and wanting to flame the fire, not extinguish it, uh, or fan the fire, not extinguish it. And, um, you know, I, I know that along the way it may it may. I don't know. I don't know what type of loneliness might come with that, but I know I'm aware that it could happen. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're not in a situation where they immediately feel like they need to go with go with the crowd. Mm. And so, 
in that way, I think that we're we are <laughs> succeeding to some extent somewhere along the way with raising free children. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of a baby in it. You know, I have some some mentors and influencers that they don't, I mean, I've mentioned before, I don't, they don't know, they know I exist, but we don't have a strong relationship. But who I'm thinking of is um, Akila S. Richards from Bear the Free Child podcast. And, I mean, she is just mega. She and her children and her husband are, you know, they are free and, and constantly freeing themselves. And, you know, like I said, I've, I've, I'm, I'm still feeling like we're kind of like children in this, but at the same time, we have young children <laughs> and their children are, are teenagers now. Um, but I look to her to kind of help gauge where I am at. And I found her when we were in the very beginning of our homeschooling journey. And I was doing lots of comparisons and really, you know, struggling. Like, oh, our homeschool doesn't like that. Oh, it doesn't look like this. And, oh, am I doing this right? And I'm into podcasts. Surprise. And I was doing a search and I was listening to all these different podcasts. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll try that. Or maybe I'll try that. And I found Fair the Free Child. And though I didn't dive in right away to like self-directed education, because that's what they really talk about with free, uh, with unschooling, um, self-directed, you're actually, as a parent, you're, you're hanging back a little bit and you're watching your child and allowing your child to learn and to engage life in the way that is best for them. And then you're just making sure to give them what they need. You build off of their interests. To build off of their interests, to facilitate their own discovery. So although I didn't just jump from homeschooling to that, and I still haven't really, it really helped me to feel validated in the way I approach um, home education with our children. And it, you know, because, I mean, we're, we were raised in traditional school. Like, there's a right way to do something. There's a wrong way. There's right and wrong. This answer is right. This answer is wrong. And I naturally don't feel like that and with most things. And so listening to Fair to Free Child was a really amazing guide for me. It gave me the language to talk about how we are aspiring to raise our children and to influence them in their lives. And so my question to you, D-Don, is like, what was your first impression of me? You mentioned how like I gave you a tour of like our basement classroom. Sure. But what was your first impression through all of that? So let's see. I'm trying to think. When was that? Maybe three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I'm close to four. It might have been almost four years ago. I love actively engaging in my daughter's education. And I'd often daydreamed about 
somehow making enough money to just opt out of middle school and getting like a you know an Airstream or Winnebago mm. if I didn't get as much money and just Ella and I would drive the country. We would we would spend time in all 50 states. We would do festivals, um, celebrating all different types of people and food and experiences and just learn firsthand. Um, but, well, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but it's a daydream, right? In that I haven't made a plan or a budget for it. So <laughs> it's it's still in the dream state. So you were my first face-to-face contact with homeschooling. Mm. I'd never known anybody to do it. You know, everybody threatens it. I don't pull my kids out of the school and do it myself. But I'd never met anybody who said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. And this is what it looks like. Mm. So I was in awe, you know, because not only had you done it, but you trans... One of the things that people in a pandemic are starting to kind of get an idea of is what it looks like for for learning to happen in their home. For so many people, work and home was just a uh, home was just a place to change clothes, spend some relaxation time, and you know you might have to open your laptop for an email or two, but not a lot of work. And you know a surface where your kid can do some studying, but not like a full on classroom. Mm-hmm. And so it was also the first time I saw a home that made itself inviting to learning and not just in this corner or in that corner, but, you know, at at that point in time, it was the whole basement or or a whole area in the basement. And I thought it was incredible. Oh, thank you. We no longer have a Thank you for that. No, we no longer have the basement for that anymore. We had to do different transitions over the years. We had a flood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then we were doing schooling. That hurt my feelings. Oh, it was rough. It was rough. Yes. Mm -hmm. We had to do schooling in their bedroom. And, you know, the thing that is amazing about the pandemic is, uh, and so uh, before I even go there, is a lot of things changed. Um and I realized that being in the basement, although I loved it and it was beautiful and it was wonderful and, you know, we had made it so that one half of it was our, our personal living room, the other half was their classroom, and then there was a, a room that would be my studio because I'm an artist. But one thing that I, I realized was that there's so much living that happens throughout the whole house that being down in the basement only for school wasn't uh, practical. And okay. and that was fine, you know, because then it was like, okay, well, we're going to come down here for some time to play and, and do other things, and we're going to do, uh, you know, things throughout the house. And, you know, pre-pandemic, we were actually not really home as much as I thought, and, you know, we would. But then with the pandemic, what... Um, What's happened is that everyone is home and in each other's face and learning about each other and and learning about how to be home all the time with each other. And we were included in that. We were included in that same, 
you know, change, the same transition. And so, you know, we, we live with my mother-in-law who, you know, comes from a totally different um, generation. We live with, you know, um, and with having little kids in a house where it's like, okay, I'm, we all grown, but she's like, I'm grown, grown. I've already done all of this. <laughs> I just want my, I just want things to be how they are. I want them to stay where they're at. And I don't want to have to use my, you know, I don't want to have to deal with it, you know, basically. And I don't blame her. And um, with the pandemic, we really had to all be much more flexible than we've been in the past. And where I thought I could, we could do school in their bedroom, it was not working. It wasn't working, and it, it didn't work for a year at least. And I didn't realize how much it wasn't working until we were in the pandemic. And so we had to make some major changes. And we now school in our living, I mean, in, our, in what was our dining room. And it's wonderful to be able to be right there, to have the kitchen right there, to have the living room mm. there. And, and the windows. Be living. And the windows, yeah. all that natural light, and, you know, our plants and just everything. And our life is school. And our experience at home is a learning experience, whether they're just playing or not. And um, so with that, I, I listen to lots of podcasts and not just, you know, Fair the Free Child. And along the way, I learned that if it's not working for you, it's not working for your child, change it up and see figure out what does work, what, what feels right. Good note to end on. So before we wrap, and Mallory, I'm going to give you a second to catch your breath and go to Harris first. Harris, what is inspiring you or what's something that you're looking forward to these days? I, uh, I am looking forward to uh, getting back on the health um, D, um, I think we mentioned it on the show. D Don and I were doing 75 hard. Uh, it's probably the longest I've gone, uh, 75 days, uh, with consistent health, meaning, you know, by what we're drinking, um, you know, drinking a lot of water, getting outside. I, it's definitely the longest I've gone going outside. Mallory knows that I'm not a outside guy. Um, <laughs> So I, I, I'm really looking forward to getting back on my health kick. Um, and it does tie back to the girls. When they were looking at us going outside each day to work out, I feel like them, them themselves were just, yeah, exercise just was, you could tell it was just something that was a part of their day. And in the, what, three weeks that we haven't been doing that, I feel like they maybe four, maybe four. four. They they just they're just laying down, <laughs> and it's like okay, no, 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 no. no. So um, yeah, just I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on my health kit. All right, accountability check. When are you starting? Uh, Monday. Okay, March first. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that Mallory said earlier 
that that made me think. And and again, what you're saying now, Harris, taking care of yourself mm-hmm. in front of your children yes. gives them license and teaches them the value of taking care of themselves. Yes, you know, it's not good for Stella and Nisia to think that their mom is a superhero who never needs a nap, mm. who never needs anything to eat. My mom could go days without drinking water. <laughs> like, nah, she's actually not good. <laughs> she's a, she absorbs you know? it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they need to see you taking care of yes. yourself. Um, yourselves, plural. And and so I, I think that's dope. I think oh, that's thanks. dope. Mallory, how about you? What are you looking forward to or what's inspiring you? I have a lot that inspires me. Um, okay. But one thing that has been really inspiring is I taught my girls how to crochet. And oh, yeah. they're hooked. <laughs> Pun intended. Oh, all right, all right. They and... That's um, a mom joke. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a mom joke. And uh, I um, uh, I just love it. I'm a fiber artist. I crocheted my whole master's thesis show. Um, and, you know, once becoming a mom, I kind of just stop just because it's like, oh, I got so many other things I'm doing. Yes, I'm creating art, but I'm creating art because I'm raising children. And, you know, but seeing them crochet when they just aren't doing, you know, they're wanting to crochet and wanting to learn and me having to say, I'm not teaching you this right now where I'm showing you what you can do with it, but I'll teach you, you know, in the morning, not not at 9.30 at night, but you can see what it is. That's just, it's just really inspiring. And I'm like, mm, I might have a couple little art assistants on my hand. Um, That's awesome. And then the other thing is, my students that I teach virtually, I teach um, every age, actually, but my high school students give me so much life. It's more of like a college level, graduate level art class. And so just getting to just expand our minds and seeing their minds just blow up every time we meet, it's just so fun. And I get to teach them. <laughs> I get to teach the class that I think I needed when I was in that developing artist stage where, you know, before the patriarchy of the art world, you know, dips in and says, you're you're not good enough. You know, I get to actually help put my hands in there and form their little brains and expand it. So... Um, that's really, that gives me life every week. And and I meet with them at the end of the week. And that just, it really fills my cup in ways that I didn't expect. That's awesome. How about you, man? So in this past week, we paid tribute to uh, Ahmaud Arbery by um, recognizing the, the year anniversary of, of his death. And um, one of the things that that some people, including myself, did was run, you know, 2.23 miles. And and I got to admit, when I was done, I felt really empty, mm. you know, because I was like, what does this do? You know, if I post this thing, if I, you know, if I tag his name, um, 
Like, what effect is this having? And so this morning, I, I woke up and I read an article about a classmate of mine. Um, I went to Howard Law. And um, one of the guys in my class, his name was Rizwan Qureshi. We called him Rizzy. And um, Rizzy is a partner at a law firm, um, Reed Smith. And Reed Smith has created a pro bono program. And what they did was they partnered with Lee Merritt, who is um, the attorney for the family of Ahmaud mm-hmm. Arbery. And they and so what this effectively does is it gives um, a, the small law firm, which is where where Lee Merritt works, resources of a big firm, um, and the you know the backing to to do the kind of work that 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 is making you know that that's really making a difference. Unfortunately, um, as as people are continuing to get killed, and so it was just really inspiring to see. One of the things they told us in law school a lot is either you are uh, a social engineer Mm. or you're a parasite on society. Mm, There's there's nowhere in in between. But, But what I also realized is that the world would not know about Ahmaud Arbery if not for all the people who were tweeting about him and who were sending um, their various tributes and making sure that his name was not forgotten. Right. So, you know, both both steps are hugely important. And so wherever you are, um, you can get in in the fight. Um, but a shout out to my classmate, Rizzi Qureshi, who is a father who lives in Maryland and um, and who's doing his thing. And so uh, it's very inspiring. And on that note, this was our conversation on the anatomy of freedom. This has been the Dad Jeans Podcast. Thank you to our guest host, Mrs. Mallory Tess, artist, homeschooler, well, not unschooler. Unschooler, uh, eclectic schooler. Look, breaker of (laughs) chains. Um, but no, Mallory, thank you so much for, for sharing and, and having this, this open conversation. Um, yeah. we, we shared a lot during the, the course of the episode. Um, we'll make sure to, to add links to the things that, that were recommended, particularly, um, the podcast and any written resources. Um, a lot of these titles, um, even the book that, that, that Harris mentioned, we'll make sure it's all in the show notes. And, um, um, I just want to also interrupt. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, go ahead. But yeah. And also I'm going to, uh, have send over my website and people will be able to see a little bit of what I've been doing over the years as far as artwork goes. But, um, you also notice an area where you could take a class if you'd like. So yes, there you go. Spread my wings a little. <laughs> and I would love to uh, to chat with anyone who is interested in um, any kind of coaching as well. When it comes to um, unschooling, free schooling, I guess free schooling, homeschooling, um, and and talking about art. I love it. So we'll definitely put links in the the show notes. But Mallory, did you want to share your whatever your social media handles that you that you might sure. want to share? Sure. 
MalloryTay.com is uh, my website. And so I love Instagram. I'm on there often. I just, all those little amazing colorful squares. Mal underscore Tay 29 is how you'll find me. And um, I'm on Clubhouse too. And it's so addicting. But um, find me there as well. I suppose, and um, Facebook, but eh, that's that's not as fun. (laughs) But on Clubhouse is at Mallory Tay, and then my website is MalloryTay.com. There you have it. As always, shoot us an email, info at dadjeanspodcast.com. Our Instagram and Facebook handles are at dadjeanspodcast.com. And as always, we ask that you share, like, and give us a rating. Here's a five stars. Stars. I said it first. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Colonizer. But we love your feedback. And until next time we meet. Oh, wait. Um, Have a great, great Women's History Month. Um, do something that is celebratory, learn something, yeah. challenge someone, and grow. Rebel hooks. Yes, Audrey yes. Lord. Anything you can get your hands on by Bell Hooks or Audrey Lord are awesome, awesome options. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and in the meantime, stay safe, do good, stay sane. And peace. Peace. That was cool, you guys. I feel good about it.